Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is my first time going live on my Soteria Prophetic Ministries Podbean, uh, podcast, rather. Kind of excited about it. And um, this is sort of like a um, pilot project. Um, looking to do some new things this year with you all and uh, wanted to try it out. So I'm looking for some feedback in terms of sound, um, in terms of, um, you know, you guys hear me clear. There's also, I think there's like a chat box here. So I'm just kind of, if you hear some clicking, that's me. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm just interested in some feedback. Um, let me see y'all, we've got some clapping. Look at that. Got my own audience there. So <laughs> God is good. We thank God for technology. All right. So we are talking tonight about um, childhood trauma and adulthood drama. That should say adult drama, but it should say adulthood drama. And um, uh, this is actually birthed out of um, a situation I had at work. Um, some of you may know that I work in the school system and I work for a department that, um, caters to, um, at risk, uh, students. And I'll leave that as, leave that as that. Uh, so, you know, on any given day, you know, we're faced with, uh, a lot. Um, and you probably heard that <laughs> deliverance people, you heard me kind of sigh and breathe that air of relief. But yeah, on any given day, we are faced with so many, so many different challenges with our students. And we have a great team. And I'm just so proud and so thankful to God that he has um, allowed us to be a part of that. So um, we had a, I had a case today where, and I'm going to try to invite my people. Hang on for a minute. I had a case today that I, I just wanted to, um, I wanted to share. And out of that, you know, so I, I believe in, in, in coming home and um, processing. You know, I think it's very important to come home and process, you know, the day, uh, especially as a believer, right, as a prophet and as an apostle, especially, you you know, I like to go back over my day and just sort of make sure that, um, you know, just make sure that God is pleased, right? So I had this um, case with a student. And um, she had uh, been put out of school. This was going on her third um, third uh, occasion of being put out of school. And so what I do with uh, my students is um, I sit down with them and have a one-on-one and we do restorative conversations and we talk about you know, what it is that they're dealing with. And, and we try to equip them with tools so that they can return, um, you know, to their classrooms and be successful. And that's all in a day's work. That's what I do all day, every day across the district. Um, but, to you know, this young lady just sort of um, after her third time coming um, to me, I, I just I knew that there was something different. I knew that there was, you know, it, her situation was greater than what meets the eye. And I'm going to get, I'm going to marry this to scripture. You guys should know me by now. I'm going to certainly marry this um, to scripture, but I just want to kind of lay the, the foundation here for a minute. And um, she had, um, had been sent to me for the third time. And, you know, so I knew, I said, okay, I, I really didn't want, you know, there to be a fourth time. I really wanted to make sure that I took time to hear her out, find out what the issue is and try to get to the root. Anyway, um, 
I was asking her, I said, you know, young lady, I said, uh, why, you know, I said, let's talk about your triggers. Let's talk about what, um, what makes you so angry. I said, you, you, you're harboring a lot of anger and I'm noticing, you, you know, just the observation doing some research that it triggers during certain times. And I said, so let's, let's get to that. Let's talk about it. And she said, well, there's one thing, um, uh, feels I don't like, I don't like to be yelled at. And I said, okay. I said, well, nobody likes to be yelled at. You know, we all, you know, feel some kind of way when we're yelled at. And she said, no, she said, that's not what I mean. She said, I really, really don't like to be yelled at. And I said, okay. I said, so let's, let's talk about that. And so I said, um, what does that look like for you? When someone is yelling at you, what does that look like for you? And she said, when I'm being yelled at, she said, I just, she said, I feel, she said, I feel threatened. I feel angry and I just want to retaliate. And she said, and I do it without thinking. I do it unconsciously. It just happens. And she said, after the, you know, situation has, has, um, de-escalated and after everything is over and done with, then I'm back to normal. But I regret the things that I had said and the things that I have done. And I said, okay. I said, well, now we're getting somewhere. So I begin to probe and go a little bit deeper. And I said, well, let's talk about this. I said, you know, nobody likes to be yelled at, but why is it that when you're yelled at, you find yourself escalating and you find yourself, um, you know, uh, uh, exhibiting these um, episodes of anger and rage and, and yelling and so forth. I said, why is it? And and she said, I don't know. I don't know. And I said, no. I said, no. And, and I asked her for permission. I said, do I have permission to go a little bit deeper? I said, are you comfortable? Because that's important, right? When you're, um, you know, providing therapy or counseling, you, 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 you have to be careful not to push a person beyond a point, um, you know, beyond their comfort level. And so because they have to remain in control, right? And so I said, I said, do I have permission to go a little bit deeper? I said, there's some personal questions that I need to ask. And I just need to ensure that that you're OK with that. And she said, yes, ma'am, that's fine. And I said, OK, I said, tell me what it is about being yelled at that triggers anger. And she said, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I said, no, 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 no. I said, go back. I said, think back, think back over your life and and tell me about a time that you've been yelled at and you felt really angry. And she stopped and she paused. And then I noticed she dropped her head. And I knew that was the defining moment. Okay. And we're talking about childhood trauma and adulthood trauma. Um, I knew that that was the defining moment when she dropped her head. And, and if you've ever worked with, with people in therapeutic settings, you know, when that moment of truth, you, you know, when that person is vulnerable, when they're opening up and, and, you know, it, you've got to be so meticulous and get in there because they can easily shut you off and shut down the fountain and you know you have to work yourself back into that sacred place that their personal space and i said um i said i'm going deeper okay i said you know are you okay and she said yes ma'am and i said tell me about why you dropped your head tell me why you felt shame when i asked you about being yelled at and that's when i noticed tears and i said i called her by name i said i said young lady I said, talk to me as I'm here. And, you know, of course, it's being very careful because this is a very delicate place. And I could tell um, that this wasn't a space that anybody was allowed to get into. And I'll confirm that for you in just a little bit. So, you know, I could tell that this was a delicate place for her. And I said, tell me, what is it about you uh, that made you feel shame when I asked you about being yelled at? And that's when she, it all came to circle. And she said, Miss Fields, she said, when I was seven years old, she said, I was living with some family members and all they did was fight and yell all day, every day. And she said, not only did they fight and yell at one another, she said, I was a small child and they would 
yell and fight. She said they would yell in the midst of them fighting, they would yell at me, you know, get out the way and you know, you're in the way and we don't want you and just, you know, all of that. But she said it it all of their conversations toward her came in the form of yelling and hollering and screaming. And tears were flowing as she shared that. And I knew then, you know, at, you know, by the grace of God, and you know, if you know anything about deliverance ministry, you know that that's a place of brokenness, and that's a place that God wants to heal. So I didn't have a whole lot of time with her because the end of day was drawing near, and and I said, I said, I said, can we go deeper? And she said, yes, ma'am. And I said, how did that make you feel when you were the seven-year-old little girl being yelled at by you know your family members or what have you? And she said, I felt scared. I felt threatened. She said, and I felt alone. She said, I felt as if, and you know, she opened up, I felt like nobody cared. I felt like I was in the way, I felt unwanted. And so she just poured out all of these um, feelings that she had. And of course the tears are flowing and she's got her head down because she she was ashamed that being yelled at and being fussed at, it, it took away her confidence, it took away her self-worth. And, um, and and I could go deeper in that, but I, I don't have time to do that. And so I said, I said, look at me, sweetheart. I said, look at me. I said, the first thing I want to do is help you acknowledge that it was not your fault. And, you know, and, and I'm, oh, my God, to see the liberation, the, the, the freedom on her face, because throughout all that time and she's a teenager. OK, so, you know, you figure seven, eight years, well, about six, seven years. You know, she had been feeling shame. She felt responsible. She felt as if she couldn't do anything right. She felt as if she couldn't uh, be good enough for these family members. Everything about her was wrong and she had to become a people pleaser. And so these things all, uh, uh, you know, became factors in her acting out in school and being put out of the classroom and and reacting toward teachers and so forth. And so I said, so when you yelled at when your teacher is yelling at you, I said, it reminds you. No, no, no. I said, when your teacher's yelling at you, I said, you turn into that seven-year-old little girl. And I said, you you go back to that place where your family members were screaming and hollering at you and telling you, get out the way, you're in the way, you you know, wish you'd never been in. I said, when your teachers yell at you, even though they know nothing about it, and believe me, the teachers knew nothing about um, this area, this place of trauma. I said, but you, in your mind, being yelled at takes you back. And she said, yes, ma'am. And so then, you know, I explored a little further and I, I you know, referred her for some um, school-based um, mental health, some trauma-informed care and things of that nature. And, 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 you know, I will follow up with her because I return her um, back to school. But, you know, as, as I came on my process that I was like, wow, you know, here we have this student who is, you know, a beautiful young lady and, and she's smart. I mean, she gets her work done, but the fact that she stays in trouble so much, it, you know, is really um, uh, impacting, negatively impacting her grades because she can't get along with, with adults. And, and she, so there's this thing with authority that she has, and it's all connected and rooted in childhood trauma. So as, you know, as I came home and processed it, I said, God, I said, you know, and I'm praying for her. And then, you know, it's really kind of worked myself, you know, out of that because I had to detach myself from it. And so I said, God, I said, you know, this, there has to be something like this in scripture that we can learn from, right? Because the word of God is just filled with examples. That's why I love it so much. And um, it's just filled with examples that we can we can learn and 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 you know uh, use as examples. So the Lord gave me Second Samuel, and I'm going here for a minute. Second Samuel chapter eleven. Okay, Second Samuel chapter eleven, and it's talking about David um, and his, his infamous. I, I wanted to say famous, but his infamous 
um, sort of rendezvous with Bathsheba, very popular um, context of scripture. I'm not gonna go into the entire um, reading of it, but it's 2 Samuel chapter, um, let me see, I'm typing it. That was because I'm trying to be fancy, you guys. 2 Samuel chapter, what I say, 11? So it's gonna be 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. And you know, I just encourage you, you know, to 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 get and you know get a chance to look at it when you when you have time. But anyway, in this particular instance, David, you know, uh, should have gone to war, okay? But he had not. He had been strolling on his roof, and he happens to glance over. And I'm paraphrasing, glance at Bathsheba, this beautiful woman, and he invites her over. And she's married. Her husband is the let's just say he's the general lieutenant or what have you of David's army, and he's out doing battle. Um, long story short, David impregnates this woman. It wasn't rape; it was consensual. Um, and that could be argued too because of his position of authority. Did he take advantage? You know, that's a whole nother story. But anyway, he and he ends up impregnating her. And so, you know, the word came comes to him. She sends word, David, I'm pregnant, is yours, because of course her son, excuse me, husband, had been at battle. And so, you know, so then David devises this plan. This is all in Second Samuel. 11 and 2 Samuel 12. Um, David devises a plan to um put uh uh, Uriah, the uh, Bathsheba's husband, on the front line and have him killed. Again, that's a whole nother story that I want to get into. So, but but when the Holy Spirit gave me that, I was like, how does that tie into trauma? You know, how does that tie into, you know, when I heard the Holy Spirit say childhood trauma, adulthood trauma, I said, how does David and Bathsheba tie into this young lady in her situation? And then as I paused and, and just spent time in the presence of God, it made sense. David had grown up without his mom. Okay. Um, scripture says, you know, I was uh, uh, shaped in iniquity. And, and let me see, I want to quote it exactly for you. I was, uh, let me see. Yeah, Google to help me out with this one. I was Psalm 51.5. I was shaped in, in iniquity and in sin that my mother conceived me. And so throughout his life, you find David going through, you know, his, his father, had pretty much relegated him to the fields, the shepherd boy. Family didn't acknowledge him when the king, when the prophet Samuel came along. So there were a lot of things that David, the prophet priest king, had been dealing with as a child. Okay. Um, and, and that's really, really deep. I don't know how much time I have to explore that, but there were some things that David had to had to overcome. Okay. And this is why, even though he was crowned king, it took what 12, 16 years before he actually um, you know, assume the office of the palace. So, you know, again, uh, there's so much to be said about childhood trauma. And, you know, many of us, I know I have, I'll talk about me, you know, the Lord has prophesied great things and he's spoken great things rather directly, indirectly. And God has said, Hey, you, this is an area that I'm going to, you know, that I've destined you to venture in, or this is a person I want you to connect with, or this is a thing that I want you to do. And then you're like, you know, you receive that prophetic where you think like, Oh, well, this is going to happen tomorrow. Right. And it takes at tomorrow's like 10 years. You know, it takes so long. Like David, it was what, 12, 16 years? I, I can't remember. It's been a while since I looked at it. But anyway, it was a period of time before David um, actually occupied the throne. You know, it, it did not take place the moment that he had, uh, you know, that he was ordained, that, that Samuel ordained him. It took time. And so I believe, just through context, I believe that that time was needed uh, so that the issues of trauma could be worked out in David's life. And I believe that for us as well. I believe that there are things that we're believing God for, things that God has even prophesied 
that belong to us rightfully belong to us come straight from the father's mouth um and but if there are issues of trauma i believe god in his infinite mercy will allow us time to seek healing and, and counseling or therapy or whatever it takes whatever it takes to to confront those areas to acknowledge those areas to seek healing and to be restored in those areas before we actually occupy that place of greatness and i believe we all have places jesus said you know in my father's um mansion uh in my father's house are many mansions right or or translated many rooms and so when you think about a room you think about space you think about place so i believe that there are many places many spaces that god has in the kingdom for us to occupy um, but I believe that it takes a person being healed and made whole in order to occupy that, right? I mean, the last thing you want to do is occupy a seat of authority or a position of authority and you're hurting, you're wounded. And and I, I know many people like that. I mean, uh, you know, people that God is using me to even, you know, uh, uh, work along with that are hurting and in their process of hurting, they are hurting other people. Okay. So, Going back to David, David, he said in Psalm 51, verse five, you know, I was shaped in iniquity. My mother uh, conceived me in sin. And then you look at his childhood dynamics, you know, even when he was a younger man, um, you know, forget about the young boy, but look at his young man. When he when he showed up to, to Saul, when they were battling against the Philistines and Goliath was out there and he was tormenting them and all that. And David showed up to bring his brother some food. And even at that point, he was a young man by this time because he's traveling on his own. But even at that point, his brothers ridiculed him. Well, what are you doing here? And, you know, just pretty much, um, you know, robbed him of his self-worth, his self-confidence. Apparently he was, you know, short in height, you know, stature, what have you. And and so, you know, so there were some things that, you know, there were some things going on in David uh, in, in his in his soul. OK. There was some things that his spirit, he loved God and God was certainly using him. And he was a worshiper. The Bible says he was a man of the God's own heart. That's all. But he, there was some issues in David's soul that needed to be addressed, that God wanted addressed. And um, so that's why it took time. It took time from the point where Samuel anointed David. And then even after David was anointed, it still took time. And listen, even when David, when Saul granted him a seat in the kingdom, it still took time. David was able to tap into the palace, but he could never stay there because he had to go back into the wilderness and he was still dealing with rejection. All right. He's still dealing with these, these emotional or damaged emotions. And you would be amazed. And, you know, and, and again, I can only speak about my life. You would be amazed at the things that we, even though we're grown and we've got, you know, we're grown and we've got all kind of, well, we are adulting, right? And we've got mortgages, we've got kids, we've got bills, we've got jobs and things. But there could still be that little girl or that little boy that's trapped on the inside of us that cannot move past a place of trauma like my student today. She here, she was a beautiful teenager. However, she could not um, stay out of trouble because there was a little girl trapped inside of her that felt threatened, that felt intimidated and that felt like. She, she was always, she, she felt like she had to fight. And here she is, 16, I don't know, uh, maybe 14, 15, I don't know, between 13 and 15. And here she is at 13, 15 years old, trying to defend her seven, eight-year-old self. Same thing with David. And I'm going to talk, get back to the Bathsheba thing in just a minute. You know, you find David, here he is, this anointed man. I mean, God just loves him to pieces, right? I mean, God just, you know, he's the only person in the Bible 
<laughs> the Lord sees a man at his own heart. He didn't even say it about Jesus. I'm not, listen, I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying, um, you know, for God to say that, um, you know, that that's 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 something. That's something that we, we want to pay attention to. In other words, God was giving David validation. When when you are dealing with a person who, and I mean, if you may be the person, I don't know, but when you're dealing with a person who has been traumatized, whether it's through something happening in childhood, something with parents, something with other family members, something uh, in their own personal relationship, marriages, or whatever, you know, one of the you will find that one of the key things that they are looking for is validation, because that the enemy has used that void that area that's missing, he's used that void to fill it with low self-worth, low self-esteem, uh, self-esteem, low self-confidence, you know, anything that would um, rob, that's what the Bible said in John 10, 10, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Anything that would destroy your self-worth, destroy your 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 integrity, it destroy, you know, anything that would destroy the inventory of the person God made you to be. That's what the enemy seeks for. So he's always looking for holes and gaps and wounds. Um, even Jesus says, Satan comes, he's coming after me, but he can't find anything in me. So he's always looking to find something in you that he can use. And so for my student, for this particular young lady, you know, the spirits of rage, spirits of uh, anxiety, spirits of um, uh, you know, frustration, you know, even school dropout spirits. I mean, this, listen, this thing is so wicked. It's such a wicked tank. Well, that if, if it continued and thank God for the Holy Ghost and the fact that God allowed, you know, her to come into my space, you know, that we could tackle that thing, right. That we could get her the help she needs and break those barriers. Cause as I stated earlier, I saw when the deliverance, I saw when the breaking took place and I saw where God wanted to go in and do the healing. And it's still going to take some time. It's going to take some time. But, you know, it's important because here's what these, um, you know, what these spirits will do is when you've been traumatized is it will push you away. Notice how many times David had been pushed away, you know, pushed away, pushed away. His wife rejected him. Saul rejected him. His brothers rejected him. His um, his father rejected him. And, and over a period of time, right, even his own son rejected him, you know, uh, Absalom. So we're talking about numerous examples of being rejected, okay, uh, that that keeps doors open because when a person is rejected, they're looking for something. They're looking for affirmation, applause, accolade. They're looking to feel that, you know, whether they feel it with sex, they feel it with a drug, they feel it with man-pleasing or some other type of self-destructive behavior, they're looking to feel it. In my student's case, she feel that need by aggression and acting out and being a bully. And, and I, you know, what an oxymoron, right? Here she was, you know, traumatized as a child. And here she is as a young adult or teenager, bullying others. Okay. So there, there's a lot to that people of God. And, and, and like I said, when God gave me the scriptures, I was like, wow, God, you were just so, you were so beautiful. So awesome. So let's get back to uh, David and Bathsheba. And this is going to blow. Listen, when I tell you the Holy Spirit blew my mind, he blew my mind. I said, God, why would David, uh, uh, you know, orchestrate or plan a hit? I mean, you, 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 you said he was a man of your own, own, your own heart. He's a worshiper. He's a prophet, priest, and king. He's got all, you know, he, he's your man, right? David is your man. But 
What was it about David that even though he was God's man, there was still this, uh, and I, I hate to say it, you know, but this kind of, there was a homicidal nature inside the king. And that's something, there was a homicidal nature inside the king. Because guess what? We can have the titles, we can have the robes, we can have the vestments, we can have all these wonderful platforms, we can have the degrees, we can have the properties, we can have the friends, and we can still have that homicidal nature. Now, I don't mean physically homicide, God forbid, but we still have a destructive nature inside of us that if given the moment, it will ounce. Isn't that what the Lord told, um, uh, who was it? Caleb, uh, am I right? Uh, Lord Jesus, what's the name? Um, Cain, 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 Cain. That's what the Lord told Cain. He said, he said, if you do well, he said, won't you be accepted? He said, but if you don't, and he was talking about Cain's countenance. Why is your countenance falling? If you do well, won't you be accepted? He said, but if, listen, if you continue, he said, sin lies at the door. And the translation of that in Hebrew is the it, that sin took on the, the persona of a crouching tiger. And the Chinese made a movie out of it, right? A crouching tiger or a crouching dragon or something like that. Anyway, it, it's this tiger that's ready to pounce, just waiting, is waiting, okay? So th there can be, when you're dealing with somebody who is, is, is traumatized or going through some type of childhood trauma that's unresolved, Okay, that that's unresolved. There can be the tendency um, to where we can inflict harm on others because hurt people hurt people. So let's get back to David and Bathsheba because I don't want to take too much time. But with David and Bathsheba, here he does. Here he here he here's what he does. He places his chief general on the front line, and he devises a plan to have him killed. And so he goes through with it. And my question to God was. Why did David do that? David was king. He could have just said, "Hey, Uriah, I'm taking your wife." I mean, it, you know, wasn't wouldn't have been the right thing to do. But he's king, right? They get to make laws and decree and all of that stuff. You know, kings do that. So why couldn't he just said, "Hey, Uriah, hey, uh, I just want to let you know I'm taking your wife, and you can have another one or whatever." <laughs> you know? And I'm not saying that would have gone over as easy as that, but I'm saying he was the king. He could have done that. Why was it that David? set a plan in motion to kill Uriah. Yes, a part of that was, I believe, trauma coming out of him because trauma will influence decisions. There are people who marry out of trauma, you know, because trauma can blind you. You can be so hurt and so wounded and so blinded by what you need that you can actually, the enemy can set you up to connect with somebody who can further the destruction. You know, like rejection begets rejection. Bitterness begets bitterness. It's it's a it's a vicious cycle that only the blood of Jesus can destroy. So my question to the Lord was, why did he do that? Why did he have Uriah killed? And the Bible talks about this is Second Samuel 11 and Second Samuel 12. After he has Uriah killed, he goes and marries her. And then he look, he prepares to raise up this child. And that was a ticket. I said, aha. Uh -huh. Remember what I said about David, Psalm 51, verse five. Um, I was shaping iniquity and, I, my, and, and in sin, my mother conceived me. David grew up without his mom. David understood the pain of uh, 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 um, what do you call it? a blended family or a broken family. David was the product of a broken family. And so here now, listen, of all the other wives, he had, he had married Abigail by that time. He had married Michael, Saul's daughter by this time. He had... Uh, 
I think it was another, maybe two other wives. I kind of lost count. But, you know, he had children by them and, and they were all running around the palace or what have you. But when he impregnated Bathsheba, the thought of David being unable to raise his own seed reminded him of his own trauma of being raised without his mother, being raised without a significant parent in his life. And I believe that that was the mitigating force behind David uh, devising this plan to take Uriah out so that he could raise that child in a proper home environment. And when the Holy Spirit gave me that, I said, wow, God, you would be amazed at what, it, what our traumas influence us to do. We're talking about childhood trauma and adult uh, childhood trauma and adulthood drama. And you would be amazed from a child because of these unresolved issues, even though he was king, even though he was a worshiper, even though he could, he formed his own choir, his own band. He was the, I mean, the, the brother was bad. I mean, he was bad, right? He, you know, he was, he was a, 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 a king of all kings. I mean, he was undefeatable. Everybody was afraid of David and his army. But when it came to dealing with the issues and things that he had faced, as a child, as a young boy, he was defeated in that area. And we can be like that. We can be so victorious in so many areas. I mean, we can be strong in business. We can be strong in, in money marketing, strong in our careers, strong in, in whatever our skill set is. <clears throat> our talents. We can be so strong in those areas and then miss out on the very thing that determines the the vicissitude of our life, the fulfillment and the joy and the pleasures of our life, we can miss it. Here he was the king, but he was still a little boy trapped in the woods, just like my student. Here she was 13, 15 years old, but whenever somebody would, would argue, would yell at her, she turned into that seven uh, year old little girl. And here she was, she had, she, listen, what trauma did is trauma will split your nature. That's what the Bible talks about, an unstable man, a double-minded man is unstable. That's that's the the demon, demon, demon uh, what, what do you use? The demon drive. That's the demon drive uh, behind trauma is to split your personality. A part of you is this 30 plus year old man or woman, and you're going through life and you're doing your thing. But then another part of you is that five-year-old little girl or the five-year-old little boy. And, and, and it's struggling and you'll find times where one nature, you know, you remember Paul talked about that. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who should deliver me from this body of death? He said, when I want to do good, evil is present. When I try to do evil, good. He found that there was a wrestle between what he wanted to do and what he ended up doing. And of course, we know Paul had his own trauma because Paul was a murderer. Right. And even the Lord said, I'm going to show you the things that you're going to suffer for my namesake. That's all. Now, again, that's another topic. We'll talk about that later, maybe. But just want to kind of drive home tonight uh, how that thing works. Childhood trauma and adulthood drama. Many times we're looking at things and, 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 and you know, uh, many of us people will do it. Oh, it's the enemy. The enemy is a fighting me in my finances. The enemy is fighting me in my relationships. The enemy is fighting me on my job. The enemy is fighting me. He's fighting my anointing or whatever. You know, whatever that looks like to you. But have we ever taken the time to sit down and, and say, God, because I, I had to do it and I'm still doing that. OK, I'm a work in, in progress. But have we ever taken the time to say, God, I didn't have the best childhood. I mean, I, you know, 
I experienced some things and, and I'm wondering, you know, this is what I'm just, you know, what I'm talking to God about. I'm wondering is some of what I went through affecting who I'm becoming? Because none of us have arrived. We're always growing from faith to faith, right? So I'm wondering, God, you know, just from just from that experience at work today, I'm wondering, God, is some of what I had to go through in my childhood, some of what I've seen, some of what I've heard, some of what has happened to me, how has that affected me in my adulthood? How has that affected me in the decisions that I make, that I made? Right? Yeah, good questions to ask. So, so there comes a point where, you know, you know, like I said with the young lady, my, my student today, and and immediately, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. When when you allow the Holy Spirit to go there, because there's some people, well, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. That was 50 years ago. And, you know, I, I'm good. You know, and, and we lie to ourselves, right? But you know, when when she when she when she finally reached the point when the Holy Spirit allowed me to go in and get to the place to where I said to her, can I go deeper? Can we can we really talk? And when she opened up, that's when I said, okay, this is what we're dealing with. I even, excuse me, I even told her, I said, this is the root, honey. That's why I love my job. It's, I'm telling y'all, it's heavy. Sometimes I come home so drained. Oh my God. Because I'm not just an employee, but I'm also, you know, God's servant. And I and I'm on a mission. I'm doing what God has required me to do. But it, but some of the again with the the population of students that you know that I work with, it's draining. It's it's really draining. But I thank God for it. And and so I said, sweetheart, I said, um, I said, that's the root. I said, that's the root right there. I said, I said, here you are, a teenager, but you're trapped in your seven-year-old self. And when I said that to her, you could see the light come on and the tears were just flowing. Oh my goodness, tears just flowing. And so, but I needed to equip her with that. You know, I needed her to know this is what is wrong. And I said, honey, I said, you're not a bad student. You're not an angry student. And I, so I just begin to displace the lies of the enemy. And I said, you're not a bad student. You're not a bad girl. You're not, I said, you're smart. You you know, the whole time you've been here, you've been working and you, you know, I said, it's not that. I said, honey, I said, you're hurting. And I said, you are a victim, but you know, I said, you don't even know that you're the victim. And again, it was just so liberating and enlightening for her. And I could see just, listen, the moment revelation enters your life, the healing takes place. The moment the revel when you when when the spirit of God is talking to you and God is using somebody to talk to you, that's when a healing. But because a lot of our healing is bound up in understanding. You know, if you can understand what's happening, then you can think free enough to find your way to where the answer is. So half the battle is knowledge, right? My people perish for lack of knowledge. And many times because we don't understand and because we don't know, then we attribute that and we begin to misplace blame. Well, it's my daddy's fault. It's my mama's fault. It's the devil. It's the bishop. It's the president. It's the Congress. I mean, you know, we, we just blame everybody. It's the mailman. It's the garbage man. I mean, we just blame everybody because we don't really know. And that's when we find ourselves, I think, um, I forget which prophet said it. We're beating in the air. You don't know who, you don't know where, where your, your enemies are. You're just beating everybody. And so you get friendly fire. You're hurting people who's supposed to help you. And, and you're connected to the folk who are hurting you because trauma can blind you. So I'm, I'm coming to a close. I mean, this was just a topic that was fresh on my heart. And um, I, I wanted to share and I wanted to marry that uh, childhood trauma to adulthood drama. And I wanted to connect that with David's life. I, I need to finish that point because I don't want to leave you guys uh, you know, wondering you know, how, how that ended up. 
Well, the end was God took the child. Because even though, listen, even though we have pain and even though we have trauma, that still does not justify some of the nonsense that we do. That, that, that's, that doesn't give us an excuse. Um, that's not an excuse, you right, to go out and do something crazy. So, you know, even though we're hurting and even though we're dealing with things, um, we still have to be responsible with our decisions. And we can't hurt other people because we're hurt and think God is okay with that. Um, we don't get a pass. I, I ministered a message a while back. Um, <clears throat> Pain doesn't give you a pass, or there's no pass with pain. I think it's pain doesn't give you a pass. In other words, you know, we're hurting, but that does not justify hurting somebody else. Okay. So with in David's case, God came down hard. He came down hard and and he took the child's life. And and you know, and he healed David's mind, the prophet Nathan, the counsel, spirit of counsel. This is second Samuel chapter 12. Spirit of counsel came in. Nathan the prophet spoke to David and made him aware of what had happened because again trauma will have you hurting people and you're thinking you know <laughs> you're doing god a favor you know trauma can blind you you'll hurt somebody and not even think about the the consequence david didn't even think about the consequence of murdering uriah he murdered uriah and married the woman and and you know he's planning his life with this with this boy and god said no this is not what we're doing you know we're not we're not doing this the bible said god was greatly displeased that's at the bottom of 2 Samuel 11, that God was displeased with that. So God said, no, we're not, we're not going to do that. You know, I love you, son. I know you're hurting. I know you're dealing with some things, but we're not going to kill people. I mean, <laughs> say it. we're not, this is not what we're doing. This is not, no. And, and so believe it or not, that this was one of the reasons why uh, David could not build the Lord a, a temple. He said, you have too much blood. You got innocent blood on your hands. You know, you got innocent blood and guilty blood. So some of what we do while we are hurting can uh, limit our destiny, believe it or not. You know, David had great destiny, but God said, no, because you did that. Number one, I'm going to take your son. Number two, you won't build a house for me. Your son can do it. And that leads me to this point, Second Samuel 12, you find that after God took the son, because, you know, Uriah was a righteous man and God had to avenge him. And so many times when we're hurting and we hurt the wrong people, we hurt God's people. Listen, God loves you, but he, listen, vengeance is mine. You know, those God loves, he chastens. So we have to be very mindful of that, that when we're hurting to, you know, be responsible, be responsible with your pain uh, because God will judge you. He'll love you and he'll judge you and he'll love you. Okay. Um, so yeah, God judged David, the prophet, the priest, the king, the apple of his eye. You know, the man of his own heart, he judged him and took his son. And um, but later, God and, you know, and you know what? David did not charge God foolishly. He didn't say, God, how dare you? You know, I've been hurting all my life. And here I have a child and you take my child. Why would you do? David said, listen, he said, against you and against you only have I done this sin and done this evil in your sight. Don't take your Holy Spirit. And he goes into this spill. And David said, God, I know I was wrong. I should have known better. And it was at that point. That David received his healing. What did David say? Watch me. Let me let me pull this up real quick for you guys, because I want y'all to have such a point of reference. Sorry for the typing in your ear. This is in Psalm 51, verse 7. I'm trying to put it up really quick. He says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter with snow. So, what does David say here? That's deliverance. David is asking God for deliverance. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Um, let me see if I can find a whole chapter. Let's look at chapter 51. King James, wash me thoroughly. Um, 
cleanse me from my sin. Listen, I acknowledge my transgressions against you. You only have a sin and evil in your sight that you might be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. David understood. I know you are right for judging me. I was wrong. He said, you want truth in the inward part. So he said, you know, purge me. And he goes into all this, make me hear the joy of my salvation. You know, hide your face in my sin, creating me a clean heart, renew right spirit. All it cast me not away from your presence. All of that was in Psalm 51. And that was as a result of the way that God dealt with him. God dealt with David as a father dealt with his son. Okay. So through that, David went through the childhood trauma. The childhood trauma followed him into his adulthood. It influenced his decision with Bathsheba because David did not want to raise a son. David did not want, number one, another man raising a son. Number two, because he had come from a broken family, he didn't want that to be his son's portion. So he devised this plan to raise his son. God would not hear it. God would not approve it. And God took the child. David went through deliverance. God healed him. God restored him. And then God gave David a son through Bathsheba and called his name Solomon or in the Hebrew Shalom, which means peace. OK, and that, my friend, is what God has destined for you through the acknowledgement of the trauma, through, uh, you know, placing it where it truly belongs. You were a victim and you were seven, eight years old. There's no way that you could have defended yourself or stood up for yourself or whatever the situation may be. Right. And so, but that thing has managed, managed to follow you into your adulthood and is starting to impact and poke holes in your destiny is poking holes in the plan of God for your life is, is connecting you with the wrong people is disconnecting you from the right people. I mean, that trauma is just infecting and impacting and contaminating. But God is bringing you to a point right now, prophetically, that I do believe that God is bringing you to a point to you where you say, okay, God, I married out of trauma. I divorced out of trauma. I, I took this title out of trauma. I quit that job out of trauma. I moved, you know, whatever your thing looks like. We all have our trauma trail. <laughs> you know, we all, we all have it. Okay. And, and so it's a place of acknowledgement, right? And then once you acknowledge it, when David, when Nathan confront the spirit of counsel, Nathan is Nathan personifies the spirit of counsel. OK, one of the seven spirits of God, Isaiah talks about. So Nathan personifies the spirit of counsel. He addresses him. David, you are wrong. He uses a parable. But David, you are wrong. And, and God, this is what God is going to do. So David does not fight against the spirit of counsel. David says, you know what? You're right. And he said, let, let it, whatever it's going to be, God, let it be. He owns it. He, 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 he submits to when God took the son, he said, you know what, God, you're right. You, you're right. I was wrong. And, and again, all of that is the healing. So he doesn't blame God. He doesn't blame Nathan because Nathan could have gotten killed. He could have killed Nathan. You don't come against the king. So that's why Nathan used a parable, because David had the authority, even though Nathan and Gad were David's prophets and seers. David could have put uh, Nathan, he could have beheaded him, he could have killed him. But Nathan went in with the spirit of wisdom, right? And, 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 and God graced him with the words to say, as God graced me with my student today. I went and I could have said, oh, young lady, now you know you've been you know, in trouble all these times and you need to get yourself together. You know better than that. You know, so and, you know, I could have, and it's just foolishness, right? Because she's, I'm agitating her and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not helping anything. But when you stop and say, okay, what, what's going on? You know, the Bible said, let us hit a whole conclusion of the matter. The Bible said, come, let us reason together. You know what? 
what, sweetheart, son, honey, let's talk. Now, you, something is wrong. Let's get to the root of the problem. We want to get you back on track. We also, you got a great future ahead of you. And I said, honey, you are a victim. So forgive yourself for thinking that you had to be strong. You had to defend. You couldn't have defended yourself at seven years old. What could you do? So to God be the glory. Um, we're, we're, I referred her for some um, school-based mental health counseling, and I'm going to follow up with her um, and try to refer her even to some, some um, outside therapy and um, certainly keeping her in prayer. But again, when we look at David's life, it, it mirrors it so closely to hear you had this, this great man of God that was still suffering trauma from being raised by a father who was abusive for the most part, who abandoned him, who neglected him, raised with brothers who ignored him. So he, David had an orphan spirit and it, it took the spirit of prophecy through Samuel to, to go in and say, hey, don't you have another child? You know, remember him out there, go get him. And, and, and so we know the end of the story, but at the very end of David's life, of this situation rather, God gave him peace. God gave him Solomon. And Solomon was the answer. You know, Solomon became the next king. And that was all God wanted David to do is just come to a place of acknowledgement that, God, I have achieved all of this success, but I'm still trapped in the woods with a stick, fighting off the bears and lions. And I'm, I'm still on the outside looking in. And if that's your story tonight, my prayer for you is that as God gave David Solomon, that God gives you a Solomon, that God gives you shalom, that God grants you peace, that he walks you through that valley of trauma ever so, ever so tenderly and ever so carefully, and that he allows you to tap into that so gently to the degree where you can acknowledge what happened, because many times we, we block you know, the mind is a beautiful thing and the mind can split itself to, you know, so that you can continue to function. OK, the mind has a way. It's a beautiful, beautiful organ, but it has a way to split itself so that you can continue to function. That's a whole nother topic. We'll talk about that later. But I believe this is the hour where the Lord is is, is making you as one, your thoughts as one. I did a podcast a while ago about the realm of the memory. I believe God has taken some of us that back down memory lane um, so we can go back and recapture some things that were lost, recapture our childhood. You may find yourself, you know, picking up a lollipop and you'd be amazed. You just set your five-year-old self free. You just set your 12-year-old self free. You may find yourself watching a cartoon. You, you would be amazed at the way the healing, because this is how the healing is going to manifest for some of you. Some of you are going to find yourself tapping into some things that you used to enjoy as a child that you completely forgot about because that part of your mind shut itself down. That part of your memory was blocked because it was too painful. And, and listen, if God would not have allowed that part of your mind, mind or memory, I guess I should say, if God had not blocked a part of that memory, it would have arrested your development. And this is how um, many you find many now who are battling severe mental illness is because uh, for whatever reason, they weren't able to block that thing out. It just they keep having recurring episodes of the rape or the murder or the abuse or whatever that is. 
you know, and again, I, <laughs> that's too deep to go into right now, y'all. But I, I'm just saying that um, it's oh God, God, listen, this God that we serve is so amazing, and I, I mean, I just feel myself filling up with tears. I'm just. I'm so in love with him. I'm so, so, so in love with him because he has thought of everything. He has thought the people you have in your life are healers. You know, you find, well, I wonder why I feel drawn to this one, why I feel drawn. And and you even at work, I have one, <laughs> bless her heart, one young lady. She called me today and she said, Miss Fields, she said, I hope you don't mind, but I, I'm, I tell everybody about you. And, and I just, I call you my work mommy. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> she called me a work mom, but you know, she and her mother had issues. And I mean, I'm not going to get on it, but I'm just saying, um, you would be amazed when we talk about the gift of healing, the gift of people think it's about wheelchairs and canes being on the wall, but sometimes it's just somebody who makes you feel safe. Sometimes it's just somebody to talk to and you can woosah and you know what I'm saying? And they don't judge you. They don't look at you crazy. They, they get it. These are the healers in the body of Christ. And I believe for those of us who have been traumatized, God in his infinite wisdom, he places people like that around us strategically to keep us going. Amen. To keep us going. So I believe that the spirit of God, I'm closing, is going to allow some of us. He's going to when when we're able, because for some, it just may not be the hour. It may take another year. It may take a couple of months. I don't know. You know, for when God says, OK, daughter, son, it's time now to go back and, and recapture you know, the parts uh, of your memory, the parts of you that, that I locked down to protect you. And um, he'll walk you through it. But for some of you, you're going to find yourself listening to music back from the seventies. And, and, you know, this is not a backsliding thing, but this is healing because you want to go back and take what belonged to you. You're going to take back those good times and good years. And, and it's going to help you feel more confident. You're going to find yourself laughing again. You're going to listen here lately. I've been eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and milk. And, I, and I'm like, why am I doing this? It's strategic. I used to love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and milk as a kid. So again, I find pieces of my memory being unlocked from day to day, from season to season, from time to time, things that I, that, that my mind shut down because of trauma. Right. But I'm finding now pieces of it. You know, like David said, the Lord, he restore my fragments. He's restoring the fragments of your mind so that you can be made whole. OK, so listen, you guys, my prayer for you is that you get to that place of shalom, that place of peace. My prayer for you, those of you who have childhood trauma, that the Lord would speak to you through this word tonight, today, whenever you listen to it. And, and, and above and beyond what I'm saying, but that the Holy Spirit would use this message as a vehicle. And that the spirit of God will deliver to you what you need to hear and even take you to another place in God, even beyond that. You you are destined for some tremendously wonderful things in your life. And, and, and some of that can be held up if we're not made whole. And so Jesus asked the man, will thou be made whole? Right. Oh, well, everybody else is going. He said, Jesus, said, I'm not talking to everybody else. I'm talking to you. This is your season. Do you want to be made whole? Yes. OK, well, get up. And it's time for many of us to get up and, and, and get into that pool. Amen. God bless you. Uh, may all go well with you. And may you experience shalom in its fullness and in its finest. God bless you. We love you in Jesus name. Until next time.